everybody. My name is Aaron. Thank you for gathering with us through the podcast. We're in a series called Jesus Is, where we're asking people to consider just different things about Jesus and how that might impact their life. Because wherever you're at in the faith spectrum, we all have to have an opinion about Jesus, whether you believe in him or you don't, because that has great bearing on all of our lives. And so week one of the series, we looked at how Jesus can actually be our hope. Last week, we looked at how Jesus can be our teacher. And this week, we're going to look at how Jesus can actually be our Savior. And so to get started, let's read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, which I know is a chunk of Scripture, but hang with me. It will be so good. Here's what Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel so have you ever bought into a small lie that promised excitement happiness and fulfillment of course you probably haven't but let's just pretend for a moment that you have This little lie seemed so simple, but it promised so much. Maybe the lie was so subversive that you subconsciously bought into it without even realizing what had happened. Maybe it looks something like this. While tired late at night, unable to sleep, you ignore all the advice from the sage Dr. Andrew Huberman, and you pick up your phone with all of its blue light glory, and you begin to scroll through an endless stream of content. When you see this awesome ad that is curated by an algorithm that has tracked your likes and your dislikes, it has tracked what holds your attention for just a bit longer than other things, 
It might have even been listening to words that you've been speaking around your phone the past few days. And it takes all that information and it curated an ad just for you. Super simple. But the ad is doing something in your brain and sometimes something in your heart. Usually it is selling you on an idea that if you had whatever item, then you would feel better, you would look better, or whatever other desire that ad is going after. For me, it would probably be clothes that I can't afford from Huckberry or another ad for another bag that is again promising the same thing that it's going to change my life. Maybe you didn't realize it at first, but you get hooked into an idea that life would be better if I just had that thing. So you buy that thing, which again is no different than the boomer generation buying something off of the home shopping network from the allure of a late night TV screen or maybe even from a Sears catalog. We do the same thing. And when that thing that promise to change your life comes in the mail, then all of these happy brain chemicals start firing and getting excited. And you wear it or you carry that thing or you invite the neighbors over into the garage to check out the new thing that you have. And immediately you get this reward from positive comments about how you look in it or they wish they had that thing. So cue more happy brain cells that are firing. Maybe that's not all bad until the newness wears off and you slowly buy more and more into the idea that I have to buy something to get that feeling back and I've got to buy more and then more and then you spend money that you don't actually have. You get more credit card offers in the mail and then you max out those credit cards and so you can see how this spirals pretty quickly and it puts you in a pretty tough spot. And it started with a small little whisper that life would be better if you only had. See, this is the same thing from the story that we read in Genesis 3. Sometimes we look at that story like, I would not fall for that. But we do over and over and over. We buy into the lie that life would be better if. Life would be great if you could have all the benefits of being in relationship with God, but you don't actually have to live by his rules or how he defined life. You could have all the benefits of the kingdom without the king. See, Genesis 3 is the story of where humanity got off track. This is the same story that repeats itself over and over, but let me remind you again the beginning of the story. Genesis 1 and 2 They teach us pretty creatively that God's deepest desire has always been to have a close relationship with his creation. And this theme runs through all of scripture. It runs through all of human history. An important piece of the story of humanity is our constant rejection of that relationship. Our desire to define good and evil for ourselves. Our desire to be our own authorities. Do you see this out in the world at all? Do you see this in our culture? See, we struggle with the same things, defining good and evil for ourselves. Rejecting good and healthy authority for our lives. So let's just get into those just a bit. Defining good and evil for ourselves. 
This is a silly story, but I'm reminded a few years ago about a camp that we did for a bunch of students. And our camp director at the time had this really great game that that was just chaos. It was chaos. It was designed to be chaos. He, they put us in a basketball gym and they divided the gym into quarters. And they had four different games of, of kickball that were going on all at the same time. So four different games of kickball happening at one time. Imagine the chaos. Imagine the confusion. Imagine people randomly getting hurt. Imagine everyone in the midst of that, just unsure of what's really going on, lost in the moment, lost in everything that's happening. So also, if that were going on, imagine if people started redefining the terms of the game and and suddenly saying, you know what, this works better for me, so I want to do this, and I want it to work that. Imagine how much more chaos would be invited into that environment. See, I know this is a silly visual of our felt experience within culture, but our culture is doing this. It's struggling to define what good and evil is, and as they continue to try to do that, it causes more and more chaos. See, perceived reality is now defined around how we feel, not based in facts, science, or natural law. If we feel it to be true, then it must be true. And we will attempt to leverage legislation and politics to attempt to get everyone to affirm the things that I feel about myself because I think it's going to bring me validation, acceptance, and love. See, a culture accepts now things that are normative that a a couple of generations ago could not even fathom. And the scary thing with this is that if we continue to follow the same trajectory, the bar continues to get pushed more and more into things that continue to inhibit human flourishing. Maybe we were never meant to define good and evil for ourselves. And then we see this rejection of good and healthy authority. See, all of this is built on the foundation of rejecting good and healthy authority for our lives. Even the word authority causes a physiological response for many people in our culture, maybe even for you in this moment. See, a lot of us, we're Americans after all. We do what we want. It's our way or the highway. It's kind of just woven into the fabric of our nation. And this is because we've pushed so far into the concept of radical individualism, life which once was defined by the good of others or the good of community is now defined around perceived good of the individual, especially around the individ- how the individual feels to be right, true, and good. They're the only authority for their life which is weird when culture attempts to impose their views on others' sense of individualism. That seems to be a bit incongruent there. But we're struggling to understand ourselves as humans. We're struggling to understand who we are. We're struggling to understand what value we have, what value we have for other people. And to be clear, this creates a heavy weight that is impossible to bear. Maybe you feel it even in this moment. This is why we're seeing sky-high rates of depression and anxiety. This is why we need to continue to remain distracted and to numb 
ourselves to the reality in which we actually live. We need algorithms to feed us views that only reinforce the things that we believe about the world. We need to binge on the next Netflix series or constantly engage in another death scroll, just endless content for hours and hours or at worst, at worst we need substances to take away our need to feel or to confront the reality that we actually exist in. We need something different. This isn't working. And I don't think anyone would argue that our world and lived experiences are pretty broken. We are just grappling for what might fix the brokenness. Culture's response to the brokenness is to attempt to cast God out of society, thinking we will have higher rates of human flourishing if we can get God out. See, what's crazy is as that's happened to more and more as God is pushed to the margins of society, as more and more people want to reject any idea of God or reality of God or how that might impact their life, as that's being pushed more and more out, you would think that that would be leading to more and more human flourishing. But if we're honest about the statistics, the more culture attempts to cast God out, the less flourishing humanity actually experiences. Maybe the key to going forward is going back to these ancient truths. Maybe instead of attempting to be the savior of everything, we can acknowledge that we don't have the ability to hook up as much as we think we can. Maybe to find true strength, the path leads through vulnerability, humility, and to giving God an honest shot for your life. Maybe instead of attempting to be our own saving grace, we can open ourselves up to the possibility of the true saving grace. Remember the story of scripture is that God desires to live among his people. But everyone on the planet is exercising their own free will to choose to listen to the soft whispers of the enemy to define good and evil for themselves, to reject good and healthy authority over their lives. And this is all led to the fracturing that we feel and live under on a daily basis. But God is unwilling for the world to remain in that state of brokenness. And he has begun to work through through humanity to demonstrate his desires to bring people in close, not to reject them, but to do, do things that will actually heal and to restore and to mend. That's the power of redemption in a culture that's built around the shame-based canceling of each other. He desires to heal the death created by sin, showing a new way forward by living life in relationship to his ways, giving us the power to live into this new way of living. And that is accomplished through Jesus. So let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. It says, though he was God, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on, he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So God doesn't want to leave humanity in state of brokenness, so he brings Jesus. And Jesus willingly comes and gives up all the privileges of being in heaven or empties himself of all privileges. And he takes on flesh with all the trappings and temptations, but he overcomes them by showing us a new way to live. And then not only that, he loves so radically and lives so radically, it costs his life. But in giving his life, he, he's showing us that he has the power to actually overcome the things that would cause our own death spiritually and physically. And he gives us the power to live into this new humanity. And what's great about death is there's also resurrection. So the stuff that's killing us, we can actually die to and we can experience new life in him as we're resurrected into this new life. Let's read Romans Chapter 5, verses 6 through 11 as well. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. There's so much happening in these, these two passages of Scripture. Jesus accomplishes more than we can ever fully comprehend through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And just to name a few, because we don't have enough time or space to fully do that, it's going to take a lifetime of wrestling through the implications of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But for today, let's let's just think through that in him giving his life, he gives freedom and forgiveness for the past mistakes that we think hold us back or separate us from God. Jesus reunites us with God's original intention for our lives, to be in relationship with God, to live under His authority that's actually healthy and freeing and life-giving instead of enslaving us to the things that we think bring us freedom. And Jesus empowers us to live as a new person by unlearning old habits that lead to death and learn learning these new habits that lead to flourishing. We get to experience unconditional love, a love that was extended when we were still far from God, when we're still sinners, when we're still caught in things that were leading to death. He gave his life for us. He showed us this unconditional love. And when we're filled up by that love, we can then pour better love out to other people. And Jesus actually frees us from the false narratives of ourselves, that life isn't actually just about us, that we can live for other people. We can have a life that is better than just living for ourselves. We're free to live life under God's good 
and healthy authority that's actually freeing and good. Jesus provides direct access to ongoing relationship with God when once we didn't have that, that access because things in our life. Jesus, he covers that. And he opens up this access where we now can go, even in prayer, connection through his Holy Spirit to approach God with confidence that we won't be rejected, but God hears us. He loves us. He cares about us because God's deepest desire is to live among his people, even as he's continuously working this plan to help redeem what's broken in our world. And then Jesus gives his Holy Spirit that actually fills us up and begins to lead us into all truth as we navigate the complexities of life. So in reflection of, to that, who do you believe Jesus to be? Who do you believe Jesus to be? What has your current lived experience been to this point? What things have you made ultimate and been living for and from? What have you been sacrificing time, energy, money, all of these things for? Is it leading to life or is it not? Are you growing increasingly frustrated and tired with attempting to be your own source of authority? Because when you have to figure all of life out for yourself, that's a big weight. Are you tired of trying to make things happen in your own power? Are you, are you tired of attempting to define good and evil for yourself, even when you don't even understand yourself at times? Have you attempted all of this and experienced a great letdown of none of this actually working? Well, if that's the case, maybe it's time to give God a try. Maybe it's time to take Jesus up on the offer to begin to follow after him as you're beginning to explore what faith looks like for you, which just doesn't happen in a moment. It actually happens over a journey. Jesus is extending that offer right where you're at today with whatever you have going on, with whatever you feel and think about yourself. Jesus looks at you and says that you're loved, that you have value and meaning and worth that whatever's going on, that he wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants to begin to walk you to a healthier place to live. And that's under God's rightful authority that's good and healthy. See, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So come to him with everything going on. He wants to free you from the weight that you've been experiencing of trying to live into all the false narratives of our culture that don't have the power to actually bring about life. And then to put on his way of doing life, which is actually freeing and light because he's with you doing it all along the way. And that's where you'll find true rest for your soul. So is your soul just overburdened? Are you tired and anxious and worn out? Then come to Jesus. Lay down the old ways of doing life and begin to learn his ways. This is what repenting of the past and inviting God to lead you into the lead you now in the present into the future is all about. John Mark Comer says to repent 
and believe simply means to rethink your mental maps of what you think will lead you to a happy life and trust in those of Jesus himself. So to lay down the old mental maps that actually don't lead you in a way that's going to ever bring about flourishing and to pick up the way of Jesus and to learn these new mental maps that actually have the power to deliver on what it promises. See, here's the invitations today. For those who are just exploring who Jesus might be, I want you to consider what these truths about Jesus speak to your current way of living. How does, how does the offer of Jesus being your hope speak to a situation that might feel hopeless in this moment? When you try to figure it out on your own, maybe the offer of Jesus being your teacher and leading you to a way of life is actually freeing. Maybe when you've attempted just to be your, your own savior, to save yourself from whatever you think that you need saving from, maybe it's time just to lay that down and to experience Jesus, who's actually the rightful savior, who came and gave his life. Who else has done that? What other gospel offers that? That the God who's created you wants to do life with you so much so that Jesus would give his life just to have a shot at having a relationship with you. And not only that, he wants to forgive the past, but empower the future for you to claim something that's on offer to you that you can't even imagine even in this moment. So if you're exploring who Jesus might be, welcome. You're welcome here. You're welcome to wrestle through that all along the way. But if you want to follow Jesus, then I want you to respond to him by laying down the old mental maps. It means repenting and rethinking. This is the old way I did life. It's not working. I want to lay that down, Jesus. And I want to take you up on your offer right now, even in this moment, that you would lead me from this day forward and you would help create these new pathways for me to experience life. You could begin now just by even pausing this podcast. And just inviting God. He's right there in the moment with you wherever you're at. He's right there with you extending the offer. You can even probably feel it. You can feel it that he's there with you. And all you got to do is respond. I I don't want to live that way anymore. It's not working. I need something different. Jesus, would you come and would you help? And if that's the case, if you pray that prayer, welcome to the family. Welcome to the journey. I begin to to reach out, reach out to us through pinehillschurch.org. You can go to um, just get in contact with us and just say, hey, I'm interested in this Jesus journey. What can I do next in my journey? Or find a local community that you could be part of and you can begin to learn and to grow. Or if you're here local in Bend, come be part of Pine Hills Church as we learn these things together. But for those who have been following Jesus, I want you to remember again the goodness of the gospel, that this message should bring about excitement and life for you. And I want you to orient your life daily around being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things that he would have you to do. And so I even want you to pray. If you follow Jesus wherever you're at, over someone that you know that, that just needs a source of hope and life, Would you bring that person to to mind? Would you write that name down in a note app or on a sticky note or on the mirror in your bathroom and just pray for that person every day that God would bring a sense of hope and life to that person, that God would reveal himself to that person and begin to 
help them to find their way to this way of living where they get to walk and to do life with Jesus. See, this is why Jesus is so great. This is why we all need to consider the goodness of Jesus for all of our lives, whether we're new to the journey or whether we've been on the journey for a while. Jesus continues to inspire and continues to bring about life and hope. And this is my prayer for the community in the midst of Ben that will continue to reach people who need to know the goodness of the gospel, who need to know the goodness of Jesus and all that he has on offer as we continue as a community to practice the way of Jesus because we believe it's going to bring the renewal of our lives, but also the renewal of our neighborhoods, workspaces, families, and our city. And so I just want you to continue to pray into all that is happening through Pine Hills Church, that God would continue to move in our city through all the different expressions of the kingdom of God throughout our city, that God would move and that more and more people would come to know this truth because this is what's life-giving and freeing. This is what will free our culture from the anxiety and the weight of what they've been experiencing. And so whatever you need, just open yourself up to God. He's right there with you through the power of his spirit. He longs to be in relationship with you, and he longs to want to lead you into all truth. And so if you need anything, please reach out, pinehillschurch.org. There is a way to get in contact with us to be able to just begin the conversation. We would love to partner with you and come around you and just help you in any way. Again, if you're local, come visit us on Sundays, 4 p.m. for the local large gathering. Hope to see you there. If not, I'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye.